Welcome to the Lights Out Podcast, and this is more of the podcast slash interview section of it. You know, we get to have a lot of good people on here. I've had some some exciting people we've been able to interview. This is a great one. This is a throwback. I thought I was an old school fighter, and I am. I really am. I haven't fought in a long time. I fought in like UFC 28 or 29. We're going all the way back to UFC 6, 7, 8. Real. This is unreal. This is history. This is the polar bear we got. Mike Miguel, what do we got going on for this? Man, the polar bear, Paul Varlins, you know, uh, people that watched the early UFCs, I think he was a fixture, you know, the big giant guy, and, uh, you know, always fought with heart. And, you know, I, getting an interview him is, you know, kind of nerdy of us, you know, and I think Mike, you know, we, we, we dig that. Mike brings it up, you know. But to me, I kind of had that feeling of, like, you know, the old boxer guys always seem bitter. You know what I mean? It's like I, we went to the Hall of Fame, and you couldn't even go near Marvin Hagler. You know what I mean? No. He, was like, he had, like, entourage around him, and he's, he's still bitter about the Sugar Ray Leonard loss. And fact, <laughs> I, I understand it, but, you know, in boxing, you know, with tragedies and, and stories, and with some of the beatings Paul said, you know, I was worried if he was still going to have it up here. Well, this man, he still has it up here, and he wasn't bitter at all. So I found it to be a fun interview, man. We got to go over, like, a bunch of old topics and stuff, and, you know, he, he knocked it out of the ballpark a couple of times. Yeah, I thought, he, I thought he was real coherent. You know, um, first off, I'm doing sales. I'm in the middle of Ohio, and I'm like, it's Paul Varlins. Now, your average person would be like, yeah, it's Paul Varlins, okay. You know, if you're in the middle of nowhere, just, you know, maybe next interview, show up. Man, for somebody like Paul Varlins, I get, like, super nerdy about it. Like, oh, my God, I got questions. And um, I think we got a UFC trivia question out of it when we asked who was this female corner, which was Becky Levi in UFC 6 against Tank. Um, I, she may have been the first female corner in the UFC. Oh, she I may don't know. Have I, I, wasn't Phyllis Lee? Wasn't she Dan Severance? I, or at least she was up there what? banging on the fence at some point. I thought she had to be a corner. Maybe not. I, I think she walked out with them, but I was told that she was, <laughs> you know, told to get away get out. at some point. <laughs> well, uh, she, she occupied a lot of space with her walker sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, that's an old man. Hey, hey, Come on. That's a legend right there. No, you know, and, and, uh, how, much, how much more respect can you have for somebody than that they go to corner you with a walker. They're not like, I'm done. <laughs> they, they're out there with you, man. That's a, I love that woman, man. Don't get me yeah, wrong. On the cage. It's him, a weapon. Man. Yeah, it's a weapon at some point. You know, yeah, and nothing, I might add, nothing good about Paul that I really liked was he has the same mentality about a lot of this that I do. Um, he, he, he appreciates the people who came to fight and still do. He, that's what he loved. One thing he loved about the female fights because they come to fight hard all the time. They're not trying to win an athletic contest. They're, they're here to throw down. And that's what he loved about fighting. That's how he was. He fought with all heart. And I really cool. love that aspect about what he had to say. Yep. So, so that's well, it, brother. Yeah, without Enjoy, further right? Yeah. Without further ado, we bring you here at the Lights Out Podcast, Paul Varlins. Chris, you are on. Okay, everybody. Back here at the Lights Out Podcast. Um I consider myself an old-school veteran of the sport, uh, but we're going back past that. I, I'm a young guy compared to this. I, I mean, I'm the new guy compared to this. This is a guy who's in UFC 6, UFC 7, UFC 8. If you're a fan of the sport, you know who I'm talking about. It's Paul Bar the polar bear. Paul, how you doing, bub? Doing good, doing good, holding strong. As, right, is, as, is, as, 
as my air is dropping and getting all these drop-offs, I'm still holding in there. I can't believe I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, it's hard for me to find somebody who's more old school than me. That is this, what we have right now. One thing I was wondering when I watched some of your old fights, um, you come out as a trap martial artist, I believe that's what it was. What the hell trap is that? Fighter. What, <laughs> a trap fighter. I, I'm it was hybridized, hybridized mixed martial art. It, trap fighting was a school I was going to that allowed for me to enter into doing the UFC because if I was associated with any reputable martial arts school, they would have never allowed me to do the UFC because I had so little experience, so little background. But I mean, I knew I could do it because of who I am and, and all the all my experience from, you know, just fighting on the street. You know, what I mean, I never fought. I never fought one guy. I can't remember. One time I fought one guy was was in the octagon. So how, how did you how did you wind up in the UFC then? How, how did that come to fruition? You know, it's it's funny, man. It's funny. I mean, there's different. You know, we can go through all kinds, but. How it really broke down was this is is I was doing martial arts at the school just for, for to do something, do something different. I was, you know, in a weird place in my life. And I saw the UFC, UFC four or five. I think it was four. Or no, it was five because I only had six months to train with my first UFC. And I, <laughs> I saw it and I was drinking beers with one of my buddies I played football with at San Jose State. <laughs> and I and I said, I could do that. He goes, No, you couldn't. I made him a $5 bet. I said, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I went to that little, that little martial arts school, the trap fighting school. And I told him, I saw this thing called the UFC. He said, yeah, we know we saw this crazy. I said, I want to do it. But I meant in like a year. I meant like, you know, I needed a <laughs> train, right? So I didn't think for a second that these guys would go ahead and do what they did. I told them on a Friday I wanted to do it, but I guess I wasn't clear about the time frame. <laughs> they got a hold of the, they got a hold of the people the UFC over the weekend, taught and and just lied their asses off about my credentials, and and That's and good move. they got me in. I showed up move. The, I, sh I showed up to the to this little school on on that Monday, and they're like, dude, dude, we got you in, and I'm like, are you are you kidding me? No, no, here they're gonna be sent the contracts. Everything's there. I was like. Man, I was gonna train for like a year, you know. You know, but you know I, what I love I, about you know what I love uh, about this story is the UFC didn't even take the time to investigate. They just took everybody's no. <laughs> word on. Oh, hey, hey, you got that five dollars? That's all that matters. Hey, you know what? Yeah, I got that five dollars. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what the secret is. You're right. They're right. The UFC wanted five guys, or, or sorry, they wanted six or seven guys who really looked good as fighters. Looked good as fighters. But they didn't have to be good as fighters because they had one guy they wanted to win. Yep, yep. There was, there was the guy who they wanted to win, and then there was all the dudes who were supposed to look good losing. Okay. Yep. And and I happened to be a guy who who actually won. <laughs> they couldn't shake me because I was I was <laughs> even when I went down, nobody was nobody was destroying me. I never you know I never if you if, back in the day and still I think to to a bit the truth now because you don't have to be undefeated to be an MMA guy here nowadays to have a successful career. If you show up, put the work in, give it all you got, don't get punked. People want to see you again. Yeah, people want to see you again. If you come in there and you you bitch out, you oh god, you just get well overwhelmed. 
Yeah, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see somebody get beat. But if you do, and if you go in there, hold your own, you got a career. You know what um, was great is that's exactly how it used to be more in Japan when you fought. You know, Pride, Pancras, you go in there oh, and yeah. fight your ass off. People loved it. You know, yeah. it's changed here yeah. in America a little bit, but it used to be just what you're talking yeah. about. That was 100. It's still the same over there, but we had that. You're right. The UFC was like that back early. It hasn't. It's it's evolved out of that, which I think sucks. I love the Japan and the old UFC style. Yeah. So, no, it, Paul, let me ask you. Let, they get they get right into it a little bit, and uh, yeah. if you miss something, we can go back. But so UFC six. You show up, and you get a you gym bag. Your drawers <laughs> your gym bag. Yeah, I got my gym bag. I mean, you know, we got guys who got whole teams of individuals with them, and even back then, they had some head trainers and they had their schools and all this. Yeah. I showed up with my. I was like a hired gun. Yeah. I showed up. I'm like, yeah, they point me towards. A, actually, my first time, I took the the, the trap fighting school with me, but that was the last time I did that, and that was pretty much the last time I was associated with them because when Tank. These little kids are in my dressing room with me, and when they had the monitors in, in your dressing room so you can know when to get ready, when Tank knocked out that Hawaiian guy and he did, like, the bug thing with his hands yeah. in the air and everything, you know, my, the little kids in my, oh, my God, Tank killed him, Tank killed him. I'm like, if you don't get the fuck out of my dressing room right now, that's my opponent I got to fight right yeah. there. I don't need your punk-ass shit right now running around in here getting in my fucking head. They're like, oh, sorry. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's about the last time I'm taking some idiots with me. Yeah, that's not an optimal corner jump. But now let's take us through the day here because, first of all, Worsham, at the end of the day, we got very little, uh, you know, body of work to go on. But Worsham was already a UFC veteran. So that, that's I a cool yeah, order for you guy, right? If they, gave, if they gave odds, he would have been the favorite in that fight. Well, I mean – I, you know, as a fighter, you always have your odds for you. I mean, you can't yeah. be a fighter and think you're going to get beat. I mean, you really – I mean, at, at, least, at least how I see it. I mean, if you are a game fighter, I'm an, I'm an old man. I still think I'll beat the shit out of these guys now. I still I'm, – I'm more dangerous now than I ever was then because I used to worry about people. Now I'm too fat and out of shape to take it easy on anybody. <laughs> I'm going to rip your nuts off and shove them down your throat. And I'm capable of it. I was trying to tell these guys the same thing. As a good fighter, you have to be delusional to the fact you get your ass knocked out and think, nobody can beat me in the world right now. Nobody can beat I can yeah. beat everybody in the world. That's what we have to do to be a good fighter. Right you, you know what? For, for first round, oh, dislocated finger, broken thumb. Yeah, okay, I'm going back and fighting. Yeah. Uh, separated rib. Yeah, I'm going back fighting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's no bullshit. That's, well, that's, what you, that's the commitment level you have to have to be a champion. And then so, Paul, just fight a tournament, you know. So, Paul, in your fight against Tank Abbott, I think you came <laughs> out in a Gracie train, so you were well-prepared, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> leading up to the cage. But you also had a female in your corner. Who, who was that? If I remember correctly, that's probably Becky Levi. That was, oh, that was I just, a – I remember her. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I, Becky was hanging seven. out with, with, Ken, with, with Ken's group. And I was friendly with, not Ken, I'm sorry, with, with uh, Dan, Severn. Um, Dan Severn. Yeah, Dan Severn and Becky were real tight. And um, I was actually, I was at Becky's first fight in Japan. I was at the first female MMA fight when Becky had her fight in, in, in Japan. I think that was with Kingdom, I think. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that, I think that was Becky. I mean, that, that was, okay, that, that was 
Yeah, I, they would put you in a train. They'd throw people together from other groups so you could come <laughs> out as a group. That doesn't mean I was really like, trained with these people. Okay? Like, that was, that was, they would just throw things You just met at the entrance. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, some of the things you had to face as a fighter then, too, was the SCG was the promotion group at the time. They didn't know how to put out a sporting event. They knew how to put on concerts. So you had to walk through smoke that you shouldn't be walking through, had to walk <laughs> over cables that you could trip over. I Kevin Randleman? In, Uf- in UFC 8, where, where Puerto Rico, I think it was Puerto Rico, I sprained my ankle going back because all the Puerto Ricans were throwing fucking ice cans and it was fucking <laughs> a madhouse. It was a fucking madhouse. And I slipped on the thing of ice to sprain my ankle. I was still going to fucking fight. They wouldn't let me. The doctors wouldn't let me. And that was some bullshit because at the time we didn't have those rules. They would throw rules out to get in the way of people if things weren't going the way they wanted to go. And they were pissed off at me in Puerto Rico because I took out their number one guy right away, which was Joe Morera. Joe Morera was supposed to be the next Gracie. And I took him out in the first round. They thought he was going to handle me. I took (laughs) him out. Now all of a sudden, oh shit, the polar bear might win a fucking UFC. And I, I, I tell you what, I could have fought off my back. I don't care about the spring April. I would have fought off my fucking back like Gracie's fucking doing. I mean, it wasn't, it's not that fucking hard to manage a fighter. I think they wouldn't let me. It's they wouldn't let me. With, with the tank fight, they stopped my fight. There, at the time, there was no stopping fights. It was knockout or submission. They were always fucking with my the rules on me, like always doing shit because they didn't, they had guys they wanted to win. They had the guys they didn't want to win. And yeah. it was kind of, it was fun fucking with their plans. And I'll tell you what, UFC 7, <laughs> which was I fucked them hard. Or at least they imagined I fucked them hard because their egos are crazy. <laughs> no, let me, let, let's get a little bit back to the conversation you mentioned going yeah. into a fight. Okay. We talked in the prep about how people don't understand really about the old days. So now, Worsham, I was talking about how he was a veteran. He's yeah. a rugged dude, man. You know, so no, no, you want bad you, he's badass. You he had to walk weight. in. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, man. Yeah. May rest in peace. Let me ask you. Yeah. Hey, did you walk into the tank fight banged up? Because your your face was marked up a little bit. And did oh, you have a broken yeah. finger? Were, were you fucked up? Yeah, I, you did. You're always fucked up. There was always something like I I w- I would have sprained fingers, separated fingers, pulled ribs. You were you were you were you were back in fight, man. You fought. It was a fight. Paul, there was no, Paul, you know, and, I, and yeah, I had, a, I had swelling the size of a grapefruit on the size of my head, on the side of my face after, after the, it was, yeah, the tank fight when they, when they stopped the fight. Yeah. You got and, a pumpkin head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, uh, uh, entertainment tonight had interviewed me and they thought they were going to come there. They were going to do the, the follow-up interview thinking I was going to be like, Oh, this sucks. I lost. And the guy stuck his microphone in my face like it was an erection. And he was all just stuck right in my face. And I, and I looked up and I smiled and I said, I had the greatest time of my life. That was awesome. <laughs> and the guy's microphone dropped like his, he lost his erection. It was like, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I still had that interview. It was fucking money, man. He, just, <laughs> boom. I was, he wasn't ready for that. Now, Paul, to, to your point there, a lot of people don't understand, especially newer fans, people used to fight multiple times in one night. Not as many times. We had eight-man three tournament. Times, whatever. Man. I mean, yeah, three times a night. At the end of it, it's not even who's the best fighter sometimes. It's who can maintain their, you know, not get hurt as much. It's like the battle of that's, attrition sometimes. But that's, that's what all makes part of it. the best fighter. That's what makes yeah. – it doesn't make a best – just because you go and you kick somebody's ass doesn't make you a great fighter. 
what makes a great fighter is when you got cornered, when you got, when you start taking them, you weathered that. You made it through yeah. that weathering, and then you climb back on top. You climb back on top. That's a badass fighter. Anybody can walk in and beat the shit out of somebody. Anybody can just be catch them, catch them, be faster, be be quicker. Da, 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 da. But the 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 metal in a man is how he weathers the storm. Hundred percent. Because so that storm's coming. If you ain't yeah, yeah. storm, it's coming. And if you yeah. if you can't make it through, it's your ticket's punched already. It's just a matter of time. It's you, just you a know, matter of time. You know, Paul, one thing I look at it now, and I, keep, I always try to explain this to people. Um, when, when I started fighting back when you were fighting, it was a fight. And nowadays, it is an athletic contest. You know, a lot of people, it, right. it's not necessarily a fight anymore. Like, that's about the toughest guy. It's about who's the best well-trained athlete. And that's kind of something's been lost. That's why I, I switched over to – I do commentary for the bare knuckle box, bare knuckle fighting, but I mean, yeah, uh, like we used to do, like we used to do, yeah, you know, that's exactly. how we did it. Yeah. And, so, and so, you know what? I'll tell you what. I, I just have one counter to you. There is some fighting left in MMA, and it's the women. The women fucking fight. The yeah, women right. fucking fight. And I and I, I throw, I'm throwing the gauntlet down to the guys out there. Guys, you're you're second place right now. You know what? I, There's I, some I, truth in that statement, man. Oh, yeah. There's some I'll, truth to this I'll, statement. I'll tell you the truth. Wait, wait. You know, Jeff Osborne and Hook and Shoot get credit for the first all-women show in American soil. They did it back, you know, in 2000, 2000, 2001, something like that. Anyway, the point is, is I was his matchmaker, and I was sort of against the show after before. I was like, man, you know, we don't have enough, you know, fights for the guys and, and this, that, and the other stuff. And then they showed up. Everything was – First of all, easy. You know, they all had medical exams. They all had pictures. They all had, like, you know, the promotional stuff that guys don't do. And then they all put on great fights. And all this, and then it was like, you know, you just, I just gave up, you know. And it wasn't even like a give up. I, I admitted I was wrong. I just was wrong, you know. No, they they were wrong. completely you, ready I about couldn't it. Imagine, I couldn't imagine back in the day that women could ever compete on the same level as men in sport anywhere. And I was wrong. I was wrong because yeah. – they fucking do it. They do it. They do it hard. And they're not worried about their egos. Oh, what if I look bad? They get it. You don't look bad giving it your all. Winning and losing, you don't look bad giving it all up. Uh, so, okay? Paul, I, I yeah. get – we we got, like, issues with this show. Like, we like to get real, like, nerdy and kind of okay. Star wars <laughs> All Go right, so a, you fought Marco Huas, and you went almost like – I think you went past 15 minutes with him. Am I correct? Yeah. No, we went. Okay. We went nine. We went almost ten minutes. Was it almost minutes. ten minutes? Okay. Almost ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, in essence, where do you learn jujitsu from, or de- jujitsu defense? Like the trap fighting school didn't work out, so <laughs> you start to evolve. Where does that come yeah. from? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. The funny thing is, I didn't need to know jujitsu as much as I needed to know Muay Thai that night. Okay. Like he came out with these Muay Thai kicks. And I, fuck, I never even, I didn't even know that shit. And it's funny, <laughs> like at, I think four, Rough or training, man. In, four or five minutes into it, from the, that, 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 that kick, that low bow kick they use, that lower, that turns over, they break banana trees with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that hurts so fucking bad. <laughs> My leg on its own popped up and did the perfect block. Pop, knee 90 degrees, ankle down, boom, perfect block. And yeah. and I think Don the Dragon was announced. He's like, hey, he knew the block. Why wasn't he using the block before? 
I didn't know the fucking block. My leg hurt. I didn't want it kicked anymore. I didn't even think of that block. My leg did it on its own. That was, <laughs> that's, that's kinesiology right there. I'm telling yeah, you. That's people kinesiology fight, uh, is, the, is your body doing what it needs to do as most efficiently as it can. And that Muay Thai block and most all Muay Thai strikes are the most efficient form of striking there is and blocking. It, Muay Thai I mean, is efficiency in, in, in destroying your opponent. I, 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 you know, if you're gonna learn about Muay Thai in a fight, maybe Marco Ruas isn't who you probably do it against. <laughs> oh, dude, no, I wouldn't recommend any way I did anything in my career to anybody else. I was, I was designed for this shit, man. I'm, I'm, I can take a beating like a redheaded stepchild. That's why I knew I could do the UFC anyway. That was, that was why I knew I could do the UFC. And my father was an ultra-violent asshole who would try to kill me. And he couldn't. And because he couldn't kill me, I knew I could do the UFC. I remember Jesus. seeing him going, you know what? If my dad could knock me out when I was three foot nothing and he was six foot five, 500 pounds, if he could knock me out, none of these guys could. That was the first thing that I realized. I said, holy shit, these guys can't hurt me. Like, <laughs> he really can't. And that's what I used. That's how I started. And I, like I said, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, but it was a lot of guys tell is. me. Yeah. Fighting me was like fighting Jason from Friday the 13th. They throw <laughs> everything at me, and I just keep coming. Unless, unless you break something, I couldn't use it anymore. Like what Mark Lewis did with my leg. Eventually, my leg just couldn't stand on it. I was just going to keep coming. A couple, couple little and, facts. I don't know if you remember the, uh, or if it was something you're aware. I watched that on pay-per-view, and you guys went over the pay-per-view limit. It, that fight cut story. off in like the last 10 that's seconds. That's the story. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because – once again, here's here's a little here's a little here's a little little backstage tidbit shit. UFC seven. I've got the flu. Sick as a dog. Sick as a dog. Green, sweating. They're like, "Oh, are you sure you want to do this event, Rollins?" I'm like, "I don't. I you know, what? Are, what? What are you even asking me?" So I'm having <laughs> grave fruit and garlic. I'm horribly ill, but I'm gonna do this fight. There's no way I'm not gonna do the fight. And the night before. I'm taking my grapefruit, my garlic inside, and Art Davies and Bob Marowitz and Marowitz heel, by the way, mm -hmm. um, super heel. He's my ultimate heel. Oh, so okay. they, call, they, they call me over and they're like, "Hey, Varlins, we got things figured out. You want to hear it?" I'm like, "Okay, guys. You know, you want to insult me? Okay, go for it." So, so Marowitz says, "Yeah, we got you coming in like you know sixth place, which means I'm dog shit and, and I don't have a chance." And I'm like, hey, guys, wait, wait one second. Wait one second here. I'm going to be right back, okay? And they're like, what? And so I go up to my room. I used to carry this mini Magic 8 ball on my keychain with me. And, you know, you shake it up and it answers the question, you know? Yeah. Remember those? Oh, oh yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, so I, I, I bring my little mini Magic 8 ball down to the, to the bar, and I shake it, and I go, how's Varun going to do in the and, you know, How am I going to do in the fight? And I look down at it. I don't believe anything. I just look at him like, you guys are in for a big fucking surprise. And they're like, yeah, Varlin's whatever, whatever, okay. So I have a great youth. I, I, I just tell myself I'm going to do the best I can. I stay cool-headed. I, I focus. And I tear through my first two opponents. And I'm in the finals against Mark Ruas. Well, in all of Bob Marowitz's wisdom, and, 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 and I don't want to get – he's cheap, let's put it that way. He didn't buy enough cable time. Oh. So at seven minutes – into me and Mark Lewis's fight, half the cable companies pulled the cord. <laughs> and 
and they had to they had to refund all those fucking people. Oh. And and Bob Marowitz wanted to believe that I was faking being sick, that it was my fault that he lost oh his God. ass on the show. And he, yeah, like our relationship stuff went to even worse at that point. But wow. you know what? Just because he was such a prick, I was like, yeah, after show, I'm like, yeah, I took your money, bitch. Sleep with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm like, but you know, I mean, what are you going to do? The guy's, the guy's insisting you're the bad guy anyway, so might as well enjoy it, right? <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it, bro. Yeah. Hey, uh, one thing there, I know you were you were fighting back in the, you know, you were you were there with the buffer uh, announcing, but maybe not the oh, same yeah. one people used to. <laughs> Tell us about that. Man, funny. there is, you know what? When I was as sick as I was, hearing Michael Buffer do that, oh, That's you pretty ready to? I mean, it would reinvigorate you. You know, I think his brother does a great job, but not he's nowhere near. He ain't like Michael. His brother, yeah. his brother, his brother doesn't have to jump around and go. Ah! He does it with such style and finesse class. and that slow buildup, that class is slow buildup. Yeah. There's nothing in the world like hearing your name said that way. And are you ready? Oh my God. Like it was, I couldn't believe it. That was probably one of the most surreal moments of my life, realizing I'm having my name said by this man. And, <laughs> you know, it was incredible. And we, we went out in Wyoming. He was at the UFC 6 too. Uh, we went out in Wyoming and we're partying. We got him on video and I lost it. I wish I would have lost it. But we got him on video going, Are you ready to get laid? Like it was fucking <laughs> awesome. He's a good guy. Great guy. In, in Wyoming, man. That's a good job, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, there. so so Myra <laughs> Casper. Was, Casper was UFC six. Casper Wyoming. So Myrowitz gets the heel the heel label. Now you dealt with uh, some of the early promoters uh, you know, that are now legendary and stuff like that. Talk about yeah. uh, fighting. See, this is the kind of thing that, you know, Paul says he had, you know, he doesn't recommend doing things his way here. Uh, you know, learning Muay Thai in a fight from Marco Ruas, uh, maybe not the best. How about fighting <laughs> Igor Vovchanchin in Russia? You know? Holy shit. Holy shit. That guy hit. That guy hit. He was like Popeye. He fucking was like Popeye. He had these big giant fists and these forearms. He just <laughs> would jump up and fucking ring your bell. He was the closest to me being ever knocked out in my life was with him. He he was wow. unbelievably fucking – he hit so fucking hard. Like, it, I've never been knocked out in a fight. I was choked out by Dan, you know? But, like, I've never been so close to being knocked out. He, he, yeah, Igor was Perfect hand placement. You got perfect uh, hand just, placement as well. He he just yeah, and he would just he'd get on a line with his punch. He'd yep. throw himself all behind it, all that he has. And there's a picture with him fighting another giant like me. I forget the guy's name was, and him knocking him out with a Superman punch. And he's literally <laughs> jumping up in the air. There's a picture of it. It's incredible. Um, yeah, he just hit so hard. I've never been. I've never been put in that place where the everything's going wavy, you know what I mean? Like, like that was, <laughs> it was, yeah, he hit hard. It's the kind of thing where, like, for fans nowadays, you kind of got to go back and look at the Igor Vovchanchin archive. If you watch just the Pride stuff, now, that's amazing stuff, and the guy's a Hall of Famer, right? But for yeah. Pride, he operated as a heavyweight and put on a lot of weight. And by around the time you fought him, he was probably lean, 205 pounds. And yeah, he was, yeah, just, That's the Igor Vovchanchin you fought. Yeah, he had fists like you wouldn't – like, literally his fists were like – I think what he did is, you know, if you hit a Makawari board enough, 
you build up your bones in your hands. And I think he was working a Makawari board or something close to it and just toughening his bones and his hands. And you, you, when you hit a bone, you build calluses. And you just hit it and you build calluses. I think he must have calluses on every one of his fingers because he, I mean, on his bones because he just, damn it, it's crazy. So yeah. How, I mean, how many hit? I've been hit. My mom hit me in the head with a shovel and didn't knock me out with a, with a spade from behind. I mean, just walled me. <laughs> it was a two-stepper. I took two steps and told her to get lost before I forgot she was my mom. And so I've been hit hard. You know, I've, I've been hit hard. And But that Igor uh, would get, in, in my career, a hardest hitter reward for sure. For sure. All right, that's good to know now. Did you grow up in Alaska or California? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska, where the men are men and the skills are nervous. So when the <laughs> when did you move to the to to you know to California? I graduated high school in '88. I got a football scholarship to San Jose State University. Remember, we were 20th in the nation, best team they had. We won the California Raisin Bowl in nice. 1990. Uh, one of the, the best teams San Jose State ever had. Uh, had some great games. Had some. We. I was. If you. If you're familiar with football, I was a part of the first team to use a thing called the punt shield diamond team, where three guys go in front of the punter. The punter kicks the ball. And everybody else releases. So you get coverage on the ball every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Shea designed that. And now they're they're they get used even in the pros now for the pro levels. That's cool. What position did you play? I played offensive line and punt team. That special punt team. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So now I'm going to ask you because you got hit hard another time. But first, let's talk about Russia now. That was the IFC. Talk about how you hooked up with them, the promotion. And like I said, going to Russia, I think it was Kiev, right? So Yeah, that was Kiev. That was, was it, Kiev. Was it Ukraine or was there. it Russia? Now, it's a beautiful place, right? But like. It was I, Russia. It was Russia at the time. Or okay. It was just before the wall fell. It was just, it was right wow. as the wall was about to fall. Wow. Like, you know, like right around that period of time. It was, it was crazy, man, because like I, every place I went, I learned something about the world and how culturally amazingly different things could be, how perspectives are different. Like in, in Kiev and Russia, I found out what stoicism truly is. What, <laughs> what stoicism is, suffering with a pride like your your suffering's part of your identity, part of who you are, and like we and when we fought overseas most of the time, the money was mob money, right? So these guys in Russia, they're they're taking us around in bulletproof vans, Mercedes Benzes, <laughs> and they got machine guns. I got I got two guys out on my balcony, like it's a four inch balcony. These guys are teetering in their big huge coats with their machine guns on my balcony. I see these steam. I look out and like, hey guys. You know, like, and I'm like, holy shit, do I need these many machine guns around me? I called <laughs> to the promoter, and he's like, oh, this is like, um, you're like, a, a, like, it's political. If anything happened, we'd be, it'd be horrible for us. So it's just protection. You're okay. And so I had a really good time there. They took really good care of me. They, they, I had a better attitude than most of the fighters. Like, I ate the food, drank the vodka. You know, I, I didn't turn my nose up to different things. I enjoyed it. And so they took me different places and really – showed me their their city and, and, and all kinds of cool stuff. But the craziest thing was on my way home, I'm in a van full of guys with these Kalashnikovs. And I'm like, you know, hey, guys, I want to thank you for protecting me this whole time. And they're like, no. They all started laughing, like the biggest laugh you ever heard. And they're like, oh, you, you'll protect us. And I'm like, 
what, what, what? I don't. What do you mean? I'm like confused. And, and then and they go, oh, well, what a small, what a small family. We're not a big family. Not, not a lot of people. Not, not a lot of money. Not, we, we didn't bring in the other big families for this event. They're going to kill us when you leave. <laughs> the fighter's gone. We're all dead. And they laughed and they were, wow. yeah, we're going to take some out with us. And I mean, they weren't bullshit. <laughs> wow. They weren't bullshit. And I'm like, I yeah, the guy there quick I'm, I'm sitting here with dead men. You know what I mean? Like these guys, are, <laughs> you know, but we're going to take some with us. And I'm just like, wow. It's, I like, you know what I mean? It's just, just, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just different. I, was, I had never experienced anything like that from America. Yeah. I've got a little experience in Russia, Paul. I, I, I actually was the matchmaker for Fedor and Matt Lindland that went down in Moscow, and I did about five shows there one time. Uh, I also went there as a corner for a fighter, and that particular time it was for Dave Strasser. We're in the back of the, uh, of the place, and uh, I walk into the what's our locker or the locker room, right? And there's, you know, tables and food. There's actually sushi, water bottles and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, well, this, this is very nice. And they go to me, no, 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 the, the uh, guest uh, locker room is over there. Now, this was like a 70s ice hockey arena that we were in, right? right. And we right, walked right, into right. a stone room. There was not a chair. <laughs> there was not a, nothing, no water, yeah. nothing. We got yeah. saved by the team of Spanish guys that had fought there before, and the dude had like a double long cooler, but had – yeah, the whole yeah. team, but he knew what he was doing, or else we were like, "Oh shit, dick in the hand here." <laughs> well, one of the, you know, I, I actually ended up going to a a, a, a Kiev hospital to get stitches because the night before, me and me and Boss Root were screwing around, and uh, he ended up t- t- throwing me through a, a glass a glass window, <laughs> and uh, we're yeah, drunk as shit. I I guess I bit him on the shoulder. I don't remember. We <laughs> and. So he throws me through this glass window and like, I think it was two stories up or something. And, and I hit the, hit the snow and I got a piece of glass about the size of a, of the end of a hockey stick sticking out of me. I'm like, Oh, that's going to need stitches. Oh, and man. So, yeah, I had to, I had to go to this fucking hospital and Oh my God, I, I literally, it was like going back to the 1930s. I'm not this <laughs> 30s okay like it was this this doctor is a chef boyardee hat comes at me with stitches that look like hockey strings like literally hockey laces and i was like wow the adventures continues and, and, you know, and that, that was before your fight that was the night before the fight no that no 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 that was after weird i only okay. get that okay. i only got super drunk after the fight yeah, no, 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 no. okay no but well, i did i did i did fight with stitches going from brazil to amsterdam once i I had to put, I had to cut the stitches out, put super glue in the holes to fight the next, the next week. Now, go, you know, uh, you also uh, ran it uh, down to Brazil for what, some of the early shows down there. Yeah, And you got, uh, you know, a promoter that that comes to us with a a, a, a scary <laughs> reputation. That's old Frederico Lapenda. Uh, yeah. You know, there was Bottarelli and Lapenda back in those days, and. Right. Uh, I, I worked with Bottarelli. I judged his shows and stuff. So I never got to work with Lapenda, but he was a he was an interesting cat. Yeah, he had a reputation. You know, it's it's kind of funny. The universe just opens the doors to me and gives me gifts a lot. And I'm a very lucky. And for one of my fights I had with with Lapenda, I knew 
he wasn't giving me enough money, but I needed, I wanted to fight. I wanted to travel, but I knew there was more money, but he was always, Oh no, there's no more money. Blah, 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 blah. So I'm at this, I think it was, I think it was, I think it was the, uh, I think not, not the pride show, not the, not the, not the, I did, I did everything. So it's kind of, uh, not kingdom. One of the Japanese shows don't come to me, but the promoter came to me. And he had $10,000 in cash. And he had this big smile on his face. Like, he knew he was screwing Lapenda. He knew, he knew he was giving it to Lapenda up the ass. He walked up, he goes, oh, here's your money. And I'm like, I was making 3000 for the show, I think. Uh, and, oh. and it was $10,000 then. I'm like, what, what? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. He goes, he goes uh, since Lapenda didn't come, he doesn't get his cut. So I'm giving it to you. You can... You can give him his cut. He smiled at me. He, he, the guy didn't like all that. So he smiled and said, "Here, you, you can give him his cut." I'm like, well, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, I will." And then I got <laughs> on the phone. I got on the phone and I said, "Hey, uh, I got our money." He goes, "What? What?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Why don't you meet me at the airport? I'll give you that seven thousand dollars you earned in my fight." <laughs> And you know, hey, just come pick it up. Just come. I'll just mail it to you. No, no, I want you to come and take it from my hand. You earned it. <laughs> you earned it. Come and get it. <laughs> he didn't show up. Oh, don't yeah. be like that, man. Don't be like that. I'm like, be like what? Just come look me in the eye and take the money you earned. It's That's fair, cool. Right? That's unbelievable. It's no. fair, right? Like, that it was just, the universe. Universe taking care of me. I swear to God. That's, good. Good. That's a great attitude. Just for, for the record, Lapenda put him in with Mark Kerr. So just, I mean, so when, well, we're talking about hard hitters. Kerr's got to be second, no? You know, yeah, well, I mean, dropping knees on you, you're going to. You and headbutts. But, but I'll tell you what, and- though. No, I never, in that fight with Kerr, I was never in, in the, in, he was going to knock me out. I was clear. I was tired. It hurt. You were bloody. That like, that was the problem. Was, no, look, that Kerr's knees were not as hard as Igor's punches. I'll tell you right now. Really? And Kerr jacked me up. Kerr jacked me up, and it was one of the best things that could happen for me because I reevaluated myself at that point. I said, okay, I'm not here to get this done to me. I either can step up my game, prepare myself to fight better, or get out of business. So I took after the Kerr fight, it took uh, about two, three weeks, and thought about it, and doubled my commitment, tripled my commitment, dropped 90 pounds and, and came out. I was, by the time I was, by the time I was, you know, 290, I was 298. That's when I was fighting. I did, had my last couple fights with, uh, with uh, uh, Dick Derrick in, in Brazil. And then there was a fight, there was another Lapenda fight in, 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 in uh, Brazil, but he, he wanted, he didn't, he made it look like it wasn't his fight. He said wanted me, but he didn't want to deal with me at that point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was I was, oh, dude, I was just really getting where I needed to be, and that's when it went under. That's when it got. That's when that that douchebag, God bless his soul, uh, <laughs> used the used the fighting thing as a as a as a venue for him to run for his presidency the first time. Uh, the guy from Arizona, he got uh, yeah, John McCain. Band. All the yeah, John McCain stuff to kill this world. God bless his political yeah. asshole, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to talk bad about the man, but, but you know, he he, he, he was in the boxing commission. Okay, I'm not going to talk bad about the guy. Okay, so, um, but that's, you know, the, the sad thing was, is I was so, God, I'd gotten so much better 
physically, my skills were together and it was just, I was ready to really show what I could do. And then he got banned. Yeah. Damn. And, and then the worst, the worst thing, the worst thing was, was they brought it back and then they put a 268 pound, 265. I couldn't think that. And I did everything I could to make 298. And, and I was lean. I was lean. I, maybe I could have, but I didn't know how at the time. And basically the sport was this, I helped start got yanked out from underneath me. It was, it was a ball break. That, that was the, you covered a couple of things I wanted to ask you. I, I wanted to ask you eventually if if 265 was within your limit, but I also want to give you some props because from the very first time we saw you, uh, you know, it, at UFC 6 through your career, I remember you, you you came back, you shaved your head, and you were a lot leaner, and definitely yeah, you took yeah. it definitely seriously. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. definitely props. I, yeah. I was learning on the job, bro. Like I, I literally, my first UFC, I had four months of training, four months of training, and I didn't. There was nobody to show me. What how did to you make? What there did was, you make? There was that? nobody to show you. So what it was, was. It was. You know. What, we what did you? What, what did you make in your first UFC? Uh, like it was. It was. We got five grand to show, and then if you made it to the semis, it was ten grand, and then if you, you know, then it was all or nothing for fifty or. Or a hundred thousand, depending on the show. Like I was in the Ultimate Ooh. Ultimates for a hundred. That was a hundred thousand to win it. Um, and uh, yeah, that was it. Was it was kind of funny to 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 keep going, you know? And and I was making from three to five thousand at international fights, you know. And I was fight, we fought a lot. Like these guys talk about fighting once or twice a year, three times a year. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm doing that a month. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, that was a small month, three fights. You know, yeah. I had to pay the bills. And so, but, but it was great traveling. It was great. I mean, fuck, man, I, I wouldn't trade that period of time from life for a professional football career that was paid and all that, blah, blah, blah. Cause I, I got to experience the world in a, in a, in such a special way. And I also have this period of time where I, I think there'll be a resurgence where people will refigure what we were doing. I got the time period where it was the Wild Wild West, man. It was the Wild Wild West. No rules, awesome. no gloves. It was All awesome. the stuff they're going back to you now. Yeah. We did it. And we're doing it three times one night. And it was it was immense. You know, it was it was you know, the guy would come into your the guy would keep coming into your into your into your dressing room going, Are you gonna fight again? Like, listen, I told you I'm gonna fight. No, yeah, I'm gonna fight. Ten minutes later, are you gonna fight? Are you gonna fight? The next guy that comes through that fucking thing asks me to fight, you're gonna be leaving on a stretcher, okay? Leave me the fuck alone. I gave you. I told you to be there, you know, because you, you know you, you there gets getting in your head, you know. Like no, I don't. It's not an option. I don't. I'm not, I'm not not gonna fight. You're gonna have to pull me out of out of this fucking thing dead for it, you know. And did, I mean, that's uh, probably not the smartest thing, but that's who it was. In the UFC, did someone besides McCarthy uh, ref your fights? Because uh, back in the early days, I know Rich has. Uh, I'm sorry, I know. Mike here has a, a Rich Gogo Goins uh, fetish he wants to ask you about, but yeah, I, love, I, I like the G yeah, man. No, it was all it was all Big John. It was all Big John. He's a great guy. Like I said, when he stopped my fight with 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 Tank, I was pissed because the rules were a certain way at that time. But but he was genuinely worried about me. And after the fight, he goes, "Okay, I know what you're made of now. I would never do that again. That's that's cool, bro. No worries." And Tank would never rematch. God, I want. Uh, all right, so so one of the one of the questions we always ask the old school guys is yeah. Mark Kerr versus Mark Coleman. Who do you think would have won that fight? 
Well, <laughs> I think I think I think Coleman is smarter as far as a fighter. I think he's a smarter fighter. Like I think he would have found a way to get into Kerr's head because Kerr, honestly, he was an amazing athlete and amazing specimen, but he was scared. All of what he was doing was building up because he was so scared. He was scared cool. to death. He was shooting all that juice because he was scared to death. So if, if, if he would have got cornered and got in trouble by Kerr, which Kerr could do, I mean, not Kerr, but Coleman could do, I would give it to Coleman. I would definitely, I, I would give the mental edge to Coleman, and the mental edge is so important. Uh, you know what's funny is Coleman always just says, I was in his head. Who didn't ever believe me? I was in his yeah, head. Exactly. Coleman's already geared to fight Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Coleman's ready to do that right everything. now in the parking lot. You know, Coleman. Will... <laughs> so, so the mental tra- aspect of fighting is ninety-eight percent. Okay, yeah. like if you have the right mindset, you're gonna go very fucking far. If you let yourself down training, you're gonna fall short. But that's part of the. If you know and you're you're mentally together, you're gonna you're gonna do what it takes. You're gonna grow. You're gonna get better. Like I would say, the only reason why fucking uh, um, Ken Shamrock lost to fucking what's his face the 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 uh god i hate the guy um uh he's one of tank's little boys uh tito tito the only reason why only reason why ken lost to tito is ken was in a camp where he was the top dog and nobody was telling him bro you gotta work hard the only reason why he lost to tito is he didn't have anybody telling him bro come on step it up he should have beat tito he should he had all the skills he had the experience but he was he was in an attaboy camp. All of, all the young guys were telling him how great he is, telling him how fucking unbelievable he is. He needed somebody <laughs> going, bro, get to work, get to fucking work, bro. And he would he would he would have man him. But it, so he, uh, like, who are who are some of your training partners that really pushed you in preparation for the UFC? I only had so many. Okay, number one, that was my number one weakness as a fighter was I couldn't find hardly anybody to train. When I did, I had, some, I, had some, I had some great guys, and it was it was it was Brian Johnson, who's a who's a specimen, tough, tough, yep. tough specimen of a man. Also, Legend. rest in peace. And yep. huh? Also, rest in yeah. peace. Right? Yep. Phenomenal. No, he's still alive. He's still alive. Brian's still alive. Did he, he had did, a stroke. Oh, okay, okay. Well, he had yeah, my mistake. But he had a stroke. He's not quite dead yet. God, it's, it's not another one. Unless there's something I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, you're, you're right. He had, he had a, a, he had a stroke, yeah, he had a stroke um, too. So right, but he's he's that, and I, I really think what a champion he is for working through that, coming as far as he's come. Like it's amazing what he, how he worked through that. That's an amazing thing. Um, and but but as far as training partners go, then there was Brewster, James Brewster Thompson, who's like one of the best judo guys in the nation. He, he's like the number two judo guy. When I got my first arm bar on him, he was so freaking strong. When it took me 45 minutes to set my first key lock on him and get it. And I, it was like I won a UFC. I jumped up, and it was the most <laughs> amazing thing in my life. Um, but without those two guys, all I had was my mattress and my shadow because I was so fucking big that, you know, I, I had to – even when I was training with somebody, I was going to 85 75%. And that's not giving you your best look. That's not bringing out the best of you. You gotta you fight like you train. And and being the monster that I was, I just couldn't find bodies that could last. And even yeah. if they were tough, I couldn't go full on because I would hurt them. And then where was I? 
Yeah, so yeah, that was, you know, it's not easy being huge. Yeah, you know? so the big guys, with the, uh, really fast, Mike, with the big guy yeah. syndrome, you know, it, you just remind me a little bit of, like, uh, Andre the Giant in pro wrestling where, like, the other guys, when they had, when he was the opponent, they knew they could cut loose on him. And, yeah. you know, and you really look better when you're going full, you know what I mean? And he can take you know, all, you know? Now, and, you know, and now that you, you bring it back to pro wrestling, I'm so proud of my match I had with Taz because <laughs> I sold I sold that shit pretty damn good. We rolled pretty good. We did we did hardly any warm up for it. We, that was that was pretty much a working together, knowing wrestling and knowing how to do some things, and we 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 made that thing happen. And it looked good. It looked damn good. For as, yeah, for as how green was your as time I was, at ECW? How, how was huh? your time at ECW? Like this, yeah, talk about the ECW promotion. You're, you 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 gave me a little bit in the prep. Let's go ahead and, and yeah, yeah, Paul okay, yeah. Well, you know, the the, the Paulie dangerously got a hold of me. Hey, man, we love you out here in the ECW, and you know we want to you know once you come on out, throw some of our guys around, make some money, make some easy money, and and you know hey, I say I can't lose because I know I know we just want you to use your name, get to get you over in some small thing or things that maybe a big show down the road, whatever will pay you. They'll pay me 500 bucks a spot and beat up the little guys, these little gigs. And the first thing that happened to me was there was, I, I walked into the first show and there's this little, little cute Asian broad. I don't know who what her name was at the time, but that she was one of the pro wrestling managers, whatever. She collects me. Oh, I mean, like you. I'm like, Oh wow, this is kind of hot. And then out of, <laughs> fucking, out of this crowd comes this monster six foot one blonde, Big titted fucking fucking babe, and she just shoved her hand in the little Asian girl's face. He's mine, and then that was Missy Hyatt. And so Missy's like, "I like you. You're mine." I'm like, "Okay, upgrade, upgrade, cool." <laughs> yeah. Missy Hyatt is a, is a fixture in ECW, so you you had yeah. you had like a foot in the door already. <laughs> no, absolutely, and you know, there, I, I think there was a few yeah, feet think, that, that wiped was, off on that doorstep. I think the, the girls were a bit of a of a of an offer up to get me going at the show too, you know. Um, and um, you know, but we ended up hanging out for a little bit. And it was it was pretty cool. Um, she kind of talked shit in her book about me, but but you know what? I kind of looked at it as as she was just a little bit a little bit bitter because she she. I mean, I had a lot of things going at the time. I wasn't doing anything seriously, right? And so one of the girls that I, that I was seeing kind of called up Polly. Polly kind of was a dick about it to let her know about it. And she ended up getting pissed off at me, but whatever. So like in her book, she, she talks shit like that I have a small dick. But I have her on YouTube talking about me having such a huge dick. So I'm like, okay, depending <laughs> on which, which, which time is she angry or not angry, she talked differently. Um, but I had, fun. I, I had fun with her. She was cool. Um, well, talk about and, dangerously because you know, he 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 pulled a he pulled a promoter game on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, I, you know, I, we were I was very clear with him about I couldn't lose to anybody, and so he, <clears throat> I don't know what he's thinking, but he he he's having he goes, I want to talk to you. We're, we, he pulls up the chairs in the middle of the locker room, and all the other wrestlers around the outside of us, Blue Meaty, and and uh, all these guys, we're really good guys. Like I, I've made friends with them instantly, and. Paulie's feel was, you're going to do us this favor. And I'm all, man, I already told you, I, could, I can't lose to a pro wrestling thing. I'm a fighter. You know, this, this ain't going to happen. And he goes, no, no, you're gonna, you don't have a choice. You're going to do this. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, almost busted out laughing. I'm like, he was, he was, implying, <laughs> he was implying this was going to be a forced situation. And I think he thought his guys were going to back him up. And I look 
out into each guy, and it's like a little circle around us, like we're in the center of this little circle. And each guy looked at their eyes hit the ground faster than my eyes could meet those. And that's the universal sign of submission. That's I, I don't know what are you talking about, you know. And so by the time my eyes got back to Paulie's eyes, he realized he was all alone. He was in a room full of his guys, but he was all alone with the polar bear. And I'm like, Are you talking about Paul Heyman or Paulie Dangerously? Paulie Dangerously. Okay. Yeah, same. Isn't that same? Same Is one thing. No, no. Heyman. Heyman's a different guy. Heyman's been Brock Lesnar's manager, like the Mike guy on on WWE. That's Heyman. Well, the the, the there was the head promoter of ECW. Yeah, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. Okay, Paul Heyman. Sorry, I get yeah. that mixed up. No Not problem. Okay. Um. So yeah. So my eyes come back to Heyman's, and I'm like, <laughs> so what were you saying? He's like, oh, well, I, 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 I go. I should fucking shove you in my locker right there. And I, I picked him up and started walking him, hanging to the thing. I'm like, I should just leave you in the locker for the show. He's like, come on, I'll give you this, I'll give you that, I'll pay you this, I'll pay you that. So I put him down and and, and we worked out a thing for like, I think it was $5,000 for achievement. Like his, his uh, Taz's, Taz's uh, partner came out, did a drop kick off the top rope. And I was supposed to be knocked out by the by the uh, drop kick or whatever. And, okay. and to tell you the truth, the, he was supposed to do the drop kick off my chest, and he did it off my chin. I think he was going for it, and but Ooh. nothing. He hit my chin, and I was like, "What? You know what? I rolled over. And, okay, whatever." <laughs> and and uh, so yeah, so we got he got the cheat win, and, and I got my money. And but that was kind of that soured our relationship. I was. Yeah, because you seem like the perfect guy for pro wrestling for like the, you know. You You know, I tried to get into pro wrestling for the UFC, and I was up in the Bay Area where there was really no pro wrestling schools, pro wrestling contacts. I wanted to pro wrestling. I totally wanted to pro wrestling. And I was going to go that way up until I saw the situation with Owen Hart. When I saw basically Owen Hart get murdered. By McMahon, um, and continue the show afterward. I mean, you know, guy dropped to his death with 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 with, and they forced him to do it. He didn't want to do it. It was equipment that he never used. It was shitty equipment. It was it was fucking murder, man. It was manslaughter, whatever you want to call it. Man. But that's what it was. And I realized at that point that if I was in that situation, if I was on heart, it would have been fucking McMahon hanging by that fucking wire. Yo, Shamrock was on that card, and and I wouldn't fucking. I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to go to prison. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Shamrock. was two bouts after that, and I interviewed him, and he said, "Yeah, we 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 thought that was part of the show. Like they they, even (laughs) the locker room had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did interview with him. That soured me on it, and and maybe that was stupid, but I was really nervous. Honestly, I know myself, and if my career and everything was put online to say do this or die. I would kill the other guy. Really would. Really would. Yeah. Sorry. But, but that's just, you know what I mean? You, you want me to fucking kill myself? Well, let me help you along. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you know, like, I get crazy in situations like that. So, so I just chose not to pursue it after that. I was like, no, no. That's just, you know, what, probably what, should have, but. But what about the time in Japan? Because you did you did a couple of Japan shows. Uh, you 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 did Pancrase one time. You you seem to be like like they brought you in as a hitman more than like somebody who was going to let you catch on. You you actually also did uh, that fight with Dick Vry in Holland. Uh, right, right. Ring, you right? know, here's the problem. 
there was fights being thrown. And in the pancreation show, they were telling me, you don't have to win to impress us to become part of our thing. You don't have to. They did, but they wouldn't come out and say it. They wouldn't just come out and say, hey, we pay so much. You do us the favor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I would have thought about it. But at the time, I didn't get there was play for pay going on. And so I was approaching it as 100% fighter. And if I would have been a little bit more open and wise to what was going on, I probably could have got a lot more shows. I probably could have gotten into a couple of things. But I was, I was, you know, I, I almost won that Pink Ration show. It was a really good show. Like, I, and that was awesome. The Pink Ration show was awesome because me and Yanni, I was, we had, he beat me by one point. Like, he did beat me by one point. And what they were expecting me to do in that show was just to go ape shit, fight like a crazy fighter. But I respected the rules. I did, the, I did, you know, I, I, I followed everything that's going on. And I actually, went from being the fighters being cold to me to after that fight everybody loved me everybody and and yanni they were trying to pump up his points and he stopped and said no that wasn't a point and it was it was such an incredible show and what was funny is at the time you they'd light up the ring and you'd have 35 45 i don't know maybe 55,000 people in the thing and they're all dead silent yeah <laughs> you don't hear a pin drop and there's all these people and so I broke Yanni's nose with an open hand strike early in the fight, and he had about. They were giving like ten minutes trying to get the, the bleeding stop, and somebody out in the crowd goes, "Pull him out!" And so I kind of waved where I thought he would be, and that section went crazy. And so I did a, I did a slow wave around the whole thing, and the whole place went on fire, <laughs> and the promoter hated it. That's not what they wanted. They wanted that silent, respectful mm -hmm. fucking thing. And Weird. so I think that may have soured my chance with Pinkers, but it was a great, I had a good time. I had a really good time. Okay. So, so uh, Paul, we, we have a segment where Let me, we... You know uh, what? My, my ear thing just warned me low battery, and so I got to go change headphones real quick, okay? Okay. Is that okay? One yep. second. Yeah, one absolutely. Second. We got an editor. This thing will go dead on me. This thing will go dead on me. Uh, but, Yeah. Well, let's do the asshole segment, Miguel. Do you want to bring it in, or? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out mathematically who's a better thief, Jamie Levine or uh, Frederico Lapenda. Because Frederico Lapenda was getting seventy percent, but that's bad. Okay, but like, uh, you know, ten thousand. Yeah. He was giving him three. What what Levine Levine used and to he do? Did that he, to me. he did that to me. Maybe oh, I don't know, ten times. Oh, God. Levine, Levine used to ask for 5000 from the sponsor, and they give the fighter yeah. 500 So that means oh, 500 oh, for him. So oh. he would just drop a zero. It's much easier that way. Actually, yeah. I, guess, I guess Levine's got to get the credit for the uh, – well, I think the, the predatory criminal sex offense also may have uh, put him. You know, yeah, well, honestly. I, 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 you know what? I, I did my switch, so we're good now. Um, it, <laughs> You know, I so wanted him to come get his money because I would have gave it to him plus a little extra, you know. <laughs> but because I'm not gonna steal from the man, all I had to do is come get it. All I had to do is come get it. He's gonna have to yeah, earn it. it. Come earn it. Yeah. He, he would have earned his money. Yeah, he so. wasn't. He wasn't that kind of guy either. He he was more no. of the, uh, the no. shoot, cowardly, cowardly type. So Mike was gonna introduce a new segment where we're gonna run through a list of names. Uh, I think at the beginning we hinted about it, and we'll go with we're gonna go with uh, uh, babyface or heel. And there you uh, go. Yeah, well, I like that. 
Better than yeah, asshole. We want to do that. We want to do that asshole. But yeah, but Paul, Paul asked for babyface and heel, and it'll work out just fine like that. We'll just go through the list of names here and ask you. I'm going to start off with John McCarthy. Oh, babyface. Cal Worsham. Uh, Cal wanted to be heel, but he's a babyface. He's a good guy. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with. Uh, we'll go with. But we already know the answer with Federico Lapenda, right? Oh, heel. Heel, heel, heel. <laughs> Such a heel. He needed a heel. He needed a heel badly. What about my favorite early UFC fighter, Harold Howard? <laughs> Howard. I never got to meet him, but he he ran into his selling his, the tough guy thing so hard that when he came down, he kind of baby-faced himself. He was a wannabe heel that baby-faced himself before he went down. <laughs> okay. you were, but what you about? guys were on the same event, though, right? No, 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 no. He was he, he was before me. No, he was he was a little bit before me. I think he was maybe the one before me or two before me. Yeah. Yeah. I love I like his thing though. I like I liked his thing though with the glasses and the, the he he had a car that matched his outfit, by the way, too. He had like a Lincoln. Wow. Red, red. <laughs> I got tell you how about Art Davies. Yeah, Art Davies. Huh? How about Art, oh, Art Davies babyface, big time. Good guy. Good, good, good guy. Matter fact, he, he came up to me. He says he doesn't remember this, but he came up to me and said, after I, you know, one hours runner up to UFC seven, and they talked all that shit. I, he came up to me and he said, um, "Can I maybe borrow that that uh, eight ball sometime?" <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's cool. Pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah. Art Davy, Art Davy played a trick on Joe Silva. Did you meet Joe Silva? Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, met him, but never, never. He was kind of an assistant back in those days, but yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You could drop him, and I'll tell you what our Davy did to him. Our Davy told him, "All right, uh, now you got to go into Don Fry's locker room and ask him for the belt back. We need it back." And you know, Don, <laughs> Don didn't want. And he sent him in there all by himself to try to do that, and Don didn't give him the belt back, and it was you know kind of a joke. But yeah, it, I, I, it, would, it, I would, I would bet you, I would bet you the conversation went like this. Uh, we need the belt back, and you probably said, "Come get it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about uh, what about Oleg Tektarov? Oh, Oleg was a great guy. Oleg was a great guy. Oleg was mad at me at first because he wanted to be the Russian bear, but the polar bear popped so big that he didn't really get in the Russian bear. I think didn't pan out for him. So, <laughs> how about Kimo Lapaldo? Yes, Kimo was a good guy. Kimo, Kimo's a good guy, really good guy. We had a we had a really good fight. Um, I was wore myself out hitting him, wore myself out hitting him. Like we were both so gassed at the end of the fight. Like they said, he he choked me by a side thing, but I just hit him until I was exhausted. Big John kept saying, "If you don't stop hitting him, we're gonna get you to your feet. We're gonna get you to your feet." So I just get hit him, hit him. I was so tired. I literally fell over. It was awesome. I, I was 400 pounds at that fight. I was at, at the only time I did steroids. My buddy stopped me into doing steroids. It was the dumbest thing I ever did because I got so goddamn big. I was too big. I was. It was exhausting <laughs> trying to throw my own punches. But that was a one in time only for the steroids. All right. So in your in the locker room, like uh, one of the prelim fights of UFC six, there was He Man Ali Gibson. Okay. <laughs> Do you even remember him? I, you know what I. Only hung out with I think one of the prelim guys you've seen. He had a he had a big old like a big long um uh, what do you call it? mullet and like <laughs> hardly any teeth. Uh, but he was a nice guy. Like almost all these guys are really really good guys. The only guy who's was really 
pretty much seriously was an asshole's tank. Like he was, I think he was playing a role, but but he was he was like from this whole I'm a badass from Long Beach and da, 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 da. and he was he was it was never it was always maybe he was playing a role maybe that was really who he was and he was a douchebag. I wanted to put my hands on him again. I really did. I really. He talked. What about what about the yeah. Dudley brothers? <laughs> the Dudley brothers were awesome. I love the Dudley brothers. Like, they, <laughs> well, they were great. They were they were fun. They were fun. A big remember Blue Blue Meanie? Blue Meanie. Hell yeah. Blue Meanie what, was awesome. What about Ken Shamrock? Was he a dick? Oh no, Ken was a great guy. I mean, Ken Ken was a really good guy. I mean he was he was had the attitude of a fighter who, you know, he he was he it's weird when you get alphas in a room together. If you know when to respect each other's turn, it's all good, and that's how it worked with me and Ken. Is he knew when he, he he was an alpha of his area and space, and but I was definitely an alpha in my own way. Like you know, it's funny. His his brother Frank, before he fought, he had a like Ken had a jacuzzi in his in his room, and we were all in after the fight, and and his, his brother Frank gets in, and and he's all, "Hey, I'm gonna fight! I'm gonna fight! I'm here pretty soon!" And I'm all. Dude, you're an underwear model, dude. He is, he is ripped. You're a fucking underwear model, dude. You're not gonna fucking fight. He's like, what? I can. And then that that underwear model thing, I like hung on him in the, in the lines in for a little while. He was pissed. But we were. That was good. But Ken, Ken, Ken was a really good guy. Ken is a really good guy. Well, Frank, Frank was a little bit of a dick. A little bit, little bit, little, <laughs> bit, little bit. You know, like yeah, like I tried. We were. I was always a guest at the uh, AKA. Javier treated me incredibly well and was super nice to let me use this. His, I was never directly underneath him. I never fought for him because Brian was his guy, but but um, but he was you know always really good to me. And then Frank started teaching a little bit at at, at the AKA, and I did a couple of his classes. And then all of a sudden, he announced that I was underneath him. And like I came back from my fights, and his wife was like, "Well, where's our percentage?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> rolled around in your school like a couple times and they want to send it to my well where's my next fight when are you getting me a fight i mean we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk money when you start producing something you know what i mean like so yeah we had a little bit of a going our own separate way like I, we were cool but then he you know did that money thing like come on dude you be fair about it like yeah that's, that's... people were always doing that to me people wanted a piece of me all the time that that trap fighting school the same thing the day of the fight they were like oh yeah well, we were your manager, so like, how much are we getting? I'm like, well, I've been paying you to go to your school every time, so I mean, I'm pretty much paid up and due, so we're good, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, man, it's, it's true, it's true. You know I mean? like, if you want, what about to, Sabu? To talk, huh? Oh, what about Sa- Sabu? Was cool. Sabu was cool. Sabu was cool. Wow. What, what about- funny is go- when I was when I get when I got to Missy Hyatt, they were all kind of jealous, like they all kind of wanted a piece of Missy, and they never got any, and I kind of walked in and went to the front of the line. <laughs> That's when she was in her heyday. She was in her. Uh, she's a top. Yeah, there was a long line after you. That's a long line. Yeah. She, you know, man. She was. She would have still held in there strong if she got a. She got an addiction to fucking to 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 um plastic surgery. She started eating plastic surgeries. I'm like, honey, don't do this. You're you're fucking good. You're good. You're ass and fat. You know. She started just chopping herself up. Now she looks like a joker. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Well, you you mentioned earlier uh, the next Gracie guy, and this was a guy who did have a huge reputation. And really, you know, looking back at it, was was an older man, didn't even belong in there. Probably Joe Marrero. Was he a dick though before yeah. the fight? No, Joe was a good guy. Joe was a good guy. He he 
he, but he had a lot of, I mean, the, the Brazilians had a lot of confidence and, and that's part of the Brazilian thing, the machismo, man. And there's a lot of confidence there and he, he wasn't, you know, after the fight, we, we hung a little bit and it was cool. Um, but before the fight, he was, you know, very standoffish, of course, and that's kind of natural, you know. Um, but it's, it's funny because everybody had him pegged as taking this thing. He was going to be the next guy. And exactly. when I got a hold of him with that first, that first good shot where his, his head almost hit the ground, I hit him, he, he was flying forward. He wanted nothing more to do with me. He started backing off, backing off all the time. And people were booing. I was like, come on, dude. We got to give these people their money's worth, you know? And, but um, no, but he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I mean, I, honestly, I only had the issue with Tank. Everybody else, I got to tell you, were baby faces at, 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 at heart. I mean, you know, you're going to have egos. Fighters, fighters have to have Fighters have to think, we have to think we're better than each other. That's the nature of the beast. If you don't think you're better than each other, you're not, why get in the ring? Now, let me why ask you, I, I got, a, I got a, a deep, deep old, were you on that, fa or, or no, I think it was maybe the after, you were a little after that, but uh, did you ever meet Joe Son? Like, what was your impression of the no. Joe Son no. ball shot fight? No. What's up with that? With Keith Ed, yeah. That was, you know, that was, that was, like what the what was fun about the old UFC is that they these promoters thought they had control of things and they could plan what was going to happen, but you can't. Not it was a it was a witch's brew of who knows what the fuck's going to happen, and guys are going to go and they're not going to follow your fucking script. And you know that whole ball shot thing with Joe, it's hey, you know it's whatever works. And I'll tell you what, when I fought chemo, I reached over and grabbed his ass by the cup and. So he couldn't couldn't pull me in for the fucking for the double leg. He couldn't get the double leg off me because I reached over the back end and grabbed his by the cup and rode him like fucking all it was worth, you know. <laughs> you know you're gonna do that. Got, you, DNA you're gonna got Joe San. I tell you well, that. It's funny. Oh, dude, Joe San's a fucking douchebag. I mean, I I'm you know I'm as long as I'm glad I never met because I think the creepy thing would have gone off with him. Yeah, He's just fucking. He bought in. It's, you talk about you know the craziness of the UFC. It's like it, you, all you really need to do, to me, is analyze and watch just the first fight, which is Taylor yeah. Julie against Gerard Gordeau. And Gordeau's a bad boy. Gordeau, yeah. Gordeau yeah. kicks him in the face. He loses a tooth. They're literally like, "Oh, look! I found the tooth." I mean, this is what the commentary is like. Look, the tooth is here, and it's like. You know. The ref has you know no idea if they're going to start it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know blinded the guy? Yeah. He thumbed, he thumbed the guy's eyes out? Fucking that's Yuki Dude. Nakai. Yeah, that's Yuki Nakai. That, yeah. But Nakai won the fight, went on, and then went on to fight Hicks and Gracie after that. So, yeah. so, so, so wait, wait, wait. So, Paul, so check this out. Hicks and Gracie, the greatest ever, fights yeah. a guy that weighs – Fights at 135 pounds that just got the shit beat out of him for 12 rounds yeah. with one right. eye, and he right. goes 10 minutes with the greatest of right. all time. Bro, you can't measure heart. You can't measure I, intent. intent. I think there's some exaggeration, too, in there. In that well, yeah, also true. And, you know, honestly, honestly, I just recently found out how much pay-for-play was going on and how much – behind the bid. Can you give us an example? Well, no, I mean, I personally, I was off, I guess I was offered things in, in hindsight, like with pancreation. I believe what Coleman says, I believe what Coleman says is true about all the things he was, that was going on with pride and, and stuff. And I mean, I wish I would have been a little smarter because pride, I could have got paid, man. 
They're making hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars. I'll play. I'll play for two hundred thousand. I know a couple you know? guys that, that took the dive. Well, I should say one guy that took the dive, and they stiffed him. They never paid him. Oh, oh man. I ain't gonna give a name. I gotta see this guy soon. Frederick had to be in there somewhere. He had to be in there somewhere. In somewhere in the line of things, that's 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 a Frederick. That's why. That's interesting. You know, that's yeah. No, he was so shady, man. So shady. I was so. I I really. I hope that hope he'd show for that money. I really did because it would have been worth the seven thousand to get my hands on him for all the other money. Did you did you uh, party in Japan at all? Did you ever go to uh, Rapongi? Yeah, did you go to Rapongi? Yes, man. Oh my god, I. I almost got murdered at Rapungi because um, I, the, there was a a, a um, it's funny and I, I didn't I only told the story eventually even though I didn't think anybody would tell me but the the kid that I saved his ass he came on and said yeah no that's this happened I was there that was me um, I was we were in a in a bar in Rapungi and this 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 uh, Holland kid this young Holland fighter he he knocked the beer down spilled beer all over this this Asian guy with. I could see the tattoos, a young guy with tattoos coming out of his arms. I'm like, oh, no. And the, the Holland guy didn't know to go show respect, didn't know to go, oh, sorry. And da, 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 da. He was like, oh, come on, man, we're partying, and pushing him. And we're partying, and, you know, like a young puppy. And this guy was like, you're coming with us. You're, you're coming with us. And I, I, I you know, I'm just, it happened. And so I stepped in, and I said, I pushed the Holland guy back. I said, he's very sorry. He's with me. I apologize for him. He's stupid and young and doesn't understand what's going on. And the young guy goes, okay, you're coming with us too. And oh. I was like, oh, fuck. And I, but I wasn't, I wasn't going anywhere. I was about to fuck, do whatever it took to stay in that bar. And then, then this older guy, this old guy steps up and grabs the guy by the ear, <laughs> grabs the guy by the ear, the, pulls him over, fucking yells at him. And then the guy keeps comes back, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he, and he runs off the, the, the other young guys. And the older guy comes up and goes, Waves me over to have a drink with them, and I sat down. And I said, "Hey, man, I'm like, I'm scared shitless. I mean, I was right, you know, I was scared shitless, but you know, he goes, no, no, he goes, he goes, those young, these youngsters, they don't understand. They don't understand. They just don't understand." Yeah. We had a drink, and, and and but that whole time, I was realizing, man, I was that close to fucking disappearing. That's a steep <laughs> learning curve. That's a like, steep learning curve. Yeah, it is a steep learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the, there's, you know, there's, there's, you know, like that thing in Russia, I mean, shit, like all those machine guns, like, you know, you don't know where you are until you're there, you know? Right. And I kind of knew, I seen that guy's tattoos, I knew how serious it was, but I was pretty drunk and I was pretty, I liked the kid and I figured I could get through it. I figured, you know, you, it's, it's how it's supposed to work is you, you apologize you, you, and you explain that, 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 that and then that, that's how it's supposed to go. And yeah. I understood that much. And the, the the kid actually broke protocol when when after I apologized and he he just kept going with it, mm. so he got in trouble with his. With luckily his boss was there. Yeah, and they don't like to mess that much with foreigners and stuff. It's like a different thing. So yeah, but definitely a nice escape, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, um, I don't know any any anything on your list still, Mike? Because I got. I think we're good, dude. That's it. That's that's the polar bear, bro. Definitely, it's one of the. Have you done many, many, you know, since you retired and stuff? Is this one of your first interviews? Because I, I like to keep track of the old guys. And I mean, I know obviously you've done some. Where, where else can you. I, did, uh, I disappeared for a while, but I've been doing a lot of podcasts recently. I actually. Have you ever heard of the Caveman's Corner? I actually was a. I was a, one of the. the I was a guest uh, host, and then I started hosting for about a year with 
um, with, on the Caveman's Corner. We had a lot of really good shows. And now I'm trying to put together my, my own podcast. I'd like to do a show that's basically about old timers. I would also like I would also like to put together an organization to raise money for retired fighters that need money for their you know injuries after the sports Medical over because the UFC is yeah. not going to do it. The UFC is not going to do it. So you know I, I would like to put together some sort of legends fund, you know, and and try to maybe start it up so doing a podcast talking to the old timers and going through old fights with them and talk, you know, and, and uh, do something along those lines. So I'm working nice. on that right now. Now let me I, I one final heel baby face question. You ever run into yeah. Dana White? I uh, know. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, we were at. Um, I went to with the. There's an organization called Legends of the Cage, which was kind of cooking for a while, doing really good. And it's kind of the guy who did it kind of got a little bit burnt out. And I'm hoping he gets back to it. Uh, Brian Moore, really good guy, likes to help people, helps children, helps things because with Gary Goodrich and a couple other guys. Yeah, we went to the last the um it was UFC two eighty three I want to say it was in Las Vegas and it was they had a bunch of the old timers there doing autographs and I got to meet Dana Way cool. got to meet nice. yeah yeah totally I, I you know what it's funny I used to be a little bitter about how my career ended and how like the big guys got thrown under the bus and for the little guys to basically get developed and everything. But I get it. I get it now. I know it wasn't personal. It felt fucking personal because hey, I suffered from it. But it is what it is. Things changed, and um, now I'm over. I, I see all the good Dana's done for it. I also I disagree with a lot of the things that have happened. But you know what? It is huge. They're doing really good. But you know who the biggest MMA organization in the world really is? I mean, you think it was the the UFC, but it isn't. Not by far. One championship is the biggest MMA organization in the world by leaps and bounds. And if the UFC isn't careful, there'll be one championship coming in and taking them out because they've got the money behind it. They're huge. They're huge. It's 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 You're not familiar. You're not yeah. familiar. Take a look at the money. Of course. Yeah, I was course. saying it before. Franklin's the president. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there are a couple job. connections. He's got, he's got uh, one of his executive vice presidents, also Matt Hume, who you may remember from the old days. And uh, yeah. they, they, the money comes from Singapore. And I, I'll be honest with you, uh, I, you know, I, I haven't done any looking into money or anything like that. But I do remember when they came out. Um, thinking, They're doing great. I, I, They're I, doing I, great. I, and that's the thing is, I remember when they came out, I was like, you know, arrogant, like the older guys. I was like, let's see if they got 15 shows in it. You know, and well, it's you know, a pretty good product. Man. A lot more than fifteen no, shows. And I think that product. I, I think that if somebody came in, started paying the fighters, the medium level fighters, and the guys coming up properly, so you could even get better talent going, and, and consistency, more consistency with your product, like they would nudge the UFC out right now because the UFC right now, they're kind of gluttonous. They're just eating up all the money, and they're not putting anything back into it. You know, it's a good show. The top guys are awesome, but it doesn't. It's not very deep. It's not very deep. The talent isn't very deep. The I, I see right now, as far as respect for what, like getting my money out of a show. Like I said, I'm looking to see women on the card. I'm looking to see what women on the card because the guys, even if they're super talented, they're so scared to lose now. They're yeah. so scared to take a risk that they're not putting out a great show they're not they're not they need to find a way to 
reinvigorate the guys to take risks and go after it. It's all about winning, like you're saying. And if that means taking a guy down or outlanding him with three jabs instead of two and one, I mean, that's what it's about. You know, if you have to win, you have to win, you have to win. It's not about putting on a yeah. great show. Yeah, they have a tendency, their contracts still have a tendency to be based on an older model. They're not as much anymore, but they used to do, you know, basically 20 and 20, you know. 30-30. And the problem with that to me is is I, I would have done it fight. Uh, you get your fight money and then to finish the fight. If you go to the draw, you just get your fight there money. You, you know what I mean? Like, here's, here, you know, here's, the re here's the real problem and they're taking full advantage of it and that's what you do in the world is the kids love the UFC so much. They want to do it so badly they'll do anything for it. They'll starve. They'll fight for free. They'll go fucking years and years and years before they see anything out of it because that love and the desire to be a part of the best show in the world. And I'm really rooting for you for these for Bellator and these other guys to come up as quickly as possible. So they have to start taking care of their talent and developing their talent, paying for their talent. So it gets to be more like a real sport. So it's, it's more so like a real sport. When I say real sport, I mean a real business end of the sport. You know what I mean? Like the business end, it's a, it's a business model that's unnatural because there's such a passion for the fighters to want to be a part of the UFC that they'll just take just like mm -hmm. shit. Okay. At the very top, they're doing really good. They're doing really good at the very top. But you've got to, if you want to be able to lose a fighter because of an injury or whatever and then pop, pop in a top notch guy you got to have depth you got to have like fucking 50 guys that are fucking really good and, you know, and, not 10 and, guys not 20 guys 50 guys that are all threats you know what i mean that, that are that can, you know yep and you hinted at it from you know the, even from the early days it made a difference to you when you left the trap fighting school and met other people and fought with other people oh, and stuff. it, it, takes, been it takes money should have been with eric pulses where you should have yeah. been at it takes money you know, to train and to be at that level. You can't just, you know, eat McDonald's yeah. every day and, uh, you know, I run was, around the block. I was, I was lucky to be in the Bay Area fighting when I was because the Bay Area came up underneath me. People I didn't even know giving me good food, giving me training supplements, giving me, hey, come and I'll be your chiropractor. Come and help me out. I'll give you a That's haircut. Cool. I mean, it was, cool. oh, my God, the love, the love I got from the Bay Area was incredible. I couldn't even... I couldn't, I was just speechless. Wow, thank you. You know, it was amazing. And, and um, you know, the, the UFC is as shitty as like, hey, you can't advertise. We're going to own you. You can only have so many fights here, but you can't have your own advertising. I mean, you know what I mean? You can't advertise in there. It's only the one Reebok fucking thing. That's some yeah. bullshit, man. These guys got to make some money. You know, these fucking kids make some money, you know? And it's, it's, they're not, they're not being, they're not being fair. I mean, these kids are giving it up. They're getting hurt. People are getting hurt. My, my buddy Gary Goodrich has got CTE. He mm. is, is he's, he's he's a wonderful human being, and it's 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 affecting him. And there's people out there that that have these things and these injuries. Coleman had to beg for hip surgery on online. You know what I mean? Like it ain't fucking right. These you know okay, UFC's making as much money as NFL now. Okay, UFC's making as much money as, as fucking basketball. Well, you know what? NFL and basketball, they take care of their retired people. They fucking take there's there's a there's a retirement fund for their for you know, for you know, these people. 
one thing, one thing I was like wanting to see, you know, how the NBA, NFL, let's say, if you play four seasons, uh, you get a pension. I said, I get right. not every UFC fighter should get one, but let's say you fought there 10 times. That would equal maybe four years in the NFL. If you fought there 10 times, you should get some form of a pension. Oh, they, I mean, that, that was my thought. I, I could see not giving it to everybody because no sport does that. But if you've been there and you're best and you help create the sport and grow it, there right. should be something. Yeah, and they can afford that for nothing. I don't care if yeah. it's only $2,000 a month, something, because I hate seeing fighter keep fighting. And, or at least medical. Give them, give them fucking health something. insurance. Give them fucking something. health insurance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not right with you know, and, 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 you know, I mean, when you hear, you know, hey, he's done a lot of the sport, but when you hear him bragging about how I buy a new sports car every other week or every week, it's like, fuck, come on, really? You know what I mean? You could, you know, is it really, do you really need all that? I mean, is that, yeah. is that really, is that really fucking fair? You know, like, it's, it's, you know, we got to, what I would like to do is, is come up with a, 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 a way to, to get some money together and start investing it and start to help fighters out. And then, you know, shame the UFC with it. Be like, hey, you know, if you guys aren't yeah. going to take care of the people, we're going to take care of them. And, you know, I really think once I get that together, I think the fans of MMA are so hardcore and they are so loving and they appreciate it so much that I think once there's something there to put into a fund, the money would start coming in. Yeah, so yeah. It, 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 it's something I, I really see as a possibility. I just need to get up, get a little bit more... Uh, Move in that direction. Let, let me close out with one last name. I just remember just uh, crazies from the old days, and he was actually Frank yeah. Shamrock's first opponent. Do you ever meet Lober, John Lober? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. John, the machine. I was, I was. He, you know, it's funny. These guys have no memories left. It's horrible. John, I was best man at his wedding. We <laughs> don't even remember it, and like, like we, like, oh yeah, me and John go way back. Yeah, the machine. Because yeah, he's, yeah, you know, because that, that's one of those old lessons, you know, with, with Frank, as you said, Frank coming over cocky from Pancrase and, like, he's going to fight, he's going to fight and stuff. And he ran to Lober for his first fight, and, and Lober, you know. That was a hell of a fight. Yeah, they he, were spitting their chickles at each other. They were spitting their teeth at each other. It was, that was <laughs> fucking amazing. That, that's, Lober was, that's one of those, you know. He, if, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen an old school fight, you gotta see that one. You gotta look that one up again because that was that was something they were fucking going nuts. Lober, Lober's crazy. Lober's yeah. crazy man. He's always been crazy. He's gone a little bit more crazy than he should, but but you know, hey, whatever. That's, that's like most beat. people remember Lober as either Frank's <laughs> opponent when he beat him in you know in, for Frank's debut, and then they rematched in UFC um, in Brazil. Um, but Lober also in Pancrase got his leg snapped in two, and uh, uh, the referee and the opponent are like looking at his leg, and, and he's like, "Let's keep going, let's keep going." And literally, <laughs> he's a madman. He's a madman. He's a, a monster. He's a monster. And you know that's 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 what's missing now. These yeah. guys now have become such athletes that they're the animal has kind of been bred out of them. Like there's not many of just that kind of bucket, let's go, let's go. I want to fucking go. Like, like I said, you know? get it. it's an athletic contest, not a fist fight anymore. You know what I mean? Right. The, the fight's out of it. It's like, I'm stronger, I can move faster, but there, there's, yeah. it's not a fight for someone. You no. know, and people want to see a fight. It's that, I don't want to see an athletic well, contest. I'm not, I'm you want to see a fight? Watch the ladies. The ladies are fighting. <laughs> the ladies are fighting, man. They are fucking fighting and doing it great. Like, doing it like wow like with an intensity and a power and 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 a just 
fuck it, we're going. And very technical, too. Very technical. Yeah, very, no, very super technical and unbelievable. I mean, to have that kind of conditioning, to throw like that, to take them like that, to throw like that, holy shit, it just makes my heart warm. Like, I love it. I love it. And then I go back and I see the guys and I go, wow, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Well, Paul, I want to thank you a great deal, yeah. man. It's been great yeah. to meet you, to catch up with you. We'll get this up here in the next couple of days and uh, spread it around. Super. And, uh, yeah, give, know, me the, give me the link so I can think, put it on the page and share with everybody. Yeah, big hug, we really bro. appreciate you being on, man, being the legend like this and one of the true pioneers. I, I thought I was when I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm I'm new guy compared to you, so thank you so much. Chris, Chris yeah, is there. We, can we I ask you one question? Can I ask you one yeah. question? Chris, is, yeah. that, is that a morgue? Are you in a morgue? Is that where bodies going? <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually a firefighter. I'm at the firehouse. This is a locker room. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, cool. Thank you for being a firefighter. That's awesome. <laughs> I no problem, man. Thank you. That's good. We found we found out today that actually Harold Howard is first generation. And then you yeah, got Paul Varland, second generation. Chris, <laughs> I'm like coming up a couple. Of I'm like, I like to say I'm like Abe Lincoln. I'm not George Washington, but I'm like Man. Abe Lincoln. And uh, definitely, like it. it's been an excellent interview. Thank you very much, Paul. We'll Peace. catch up with you soon. Thank right, you. you guys have a good night. Thank you, bye guys.